Hey, all right. How are you? I hope you're well. Welcome to episode number three of the podcast of the South Coast Pro Golf Show with me, David Bartlett. And in this episode, my attempt is to give you a couple of drills that you can do that could absolutely revolutionise your scoring with your golf and completely enhance your life. <laughs> okay, well, if you actually get better at golf, it might affect your mood in a positive way, so maybe it will affect your life. But before I get to that tip, what I want to mention firstly is the other day I was having a shower, I was having a cold shower, and um, this is kind of a relatively new thing for me. I've been having regular cold showers um, because it has a lot of health benefits, um, and I like to try and focus on something whilst I'm in there and think about stuff. So it takes the attention a little bit away from the, the pain that is the cold shower. And all of a sudden it hit me around the face. <laughs> and I was thinking about golf development and, um, and, and other stuff. And I was thinking about the lines of a board game, like a board game. If you actually think about like a board game, like Monopoly, Monopoly is like quite a fun game to play, isn't it? All you actually do is you roll a dice and you move a count around. Like, that to me is not fun. Like, doesn't seem like very much fun, but there's a meaning behind what the numbers on the dice represent and where you land, and it invokes some kind of emotion, and there's a determined kind of factor of a result of the consequences of those actions of rolling the dice, okay? So the game is fun, but the actions of what you do within the game are not fun, okay? so. Playing volleyball is fun to do. Playing Monopoly is not fun, but the game is fun. And I was thinking about that when it comes to your golf development. And I was thinking about like hitting balls on the range with no purpose is not the game of golf. It's simply the act of rolling a dice for no reason whatsoever with no outcome. And I was kind of like thinking about that a little bit. And I was thinking there's an awful lot of people that practice in such a way, which is incredibly unrewarding. They're just hitting balls and they might get some satisfaction out of hitting some nice ones, admittedly. Hitting golf balls is more fun than rolling dice, but I don't think you're gonna get the full satisfaction out of it when the consequences of your actions are very, very low. So practicing with some purpose is a really, really practical thing for you to get better at your golf. And you might come away in a much happier mood if you go there playing some kind of game as golf is also a game, okay? So, technology in golf. There's so much new stuff which is designed to help you and for many people it's hindrance. So, you've got top tracer, shot tracer, track man, distance watches and lasers and all sorts of stuff and people aren't using them to good effect at all, okay? All you've got to do now is you go to the driving range and you see people at the top tracer range. Now, I have absolutely no problem with top tracer at all. I think it's great. All the driving ranges are busy, as they've ever been and it's a really really good thing for golf and it's attracting a brand new market of people into it okay so it's nice you can go and hit some balls you can see some data and you can have some beers and it's all very very nice but are you actually getting better doing that maybe maybe not so maybe you could have a nice sound strategy next time you go to actually get better okay so i'm gonna give you a drill of something to do which i've had some um, pretty good successes with with um some of my students when i coach golf and this is something that you can do at a top tracer range so, drill number one. Drill number one is linked with distance control. Um, and I want you to sort of maybe go to the driving range with the top tracer, get yourself out something like a pitching wedge. And let's just say, for example's sake, you hit your pitching wedge 100 yards when you hit a full shot, okay? You might be like, well, I hit my pitching wedge <laughs> 150 yards. Okay, that's fine. Whatever your max is, that's fine. But I'm gonna say 100 yards for um, the sake of ease. 
the pitching wedge is designed to be um, designed to be something that you should be versatile with for lots of many different distances. Okay, so we know you can hit it flat out 100. The, the idea of this game is, is can you hit five shots consecutively further each time? So try and hit the first shot roughly 50. It doesn't matter if it goes 50 or not, but roughly 50 and get a feel for it. Then your intent of each shot is to, can you add maybe 10 yards each time and build up to a number? Now, if you could hit five consecutive shots consecutively, that would get you up to 100 yards, okay? If you're a much better player, you might wanna try and do that uh, in smaller increments of, say, five yards, and maybe you could attempt to try and hit 10 shots consecutively further each time. Now, what that requires is not just the skill of distance control, but it requires some level of consistency of strike. So if your consistency of strike is all over the place, you might struggle with that drill. So maybe you can attempt to try and hit three shots a little bit further. And as you've completed that, then you move on to more shots within that sort of criteria of 50 to 100 yards. Now, the interesting thing about that is if you struggle with a certain distance, starting off small, almost like a chippy pitchy type shot and adding a little bit of swing each time and building on that gives you the feeling of acceleration. And what a lot of people do is when they try and hit a hundred yard yard, when they hit a hundred yard shot um, and that's their full shot, all of a sudden 1980 become a little bit defensive and a bit deceleratory. So the fact that you've done this drill is helpful in terms of you trying to be able to build to a number rather than subtract down from a number. So. Drill number two would be to try and actually do that same task in reverse. Now, what you should be doing is looking at the carry distances, not the total distances. So with that drill, you're trying to carry at 50 yards, then try and carry at 60, then try and carry at 70 and see if you can cram in those numbers. In this drill, you should be doing the same thing, but in reverse. So hit a shot full, 100 yards, then try and hit it 90, then try and hit it 80, then try and hit it 70, etc. and see how many shots in a row you can actually do. Now, what you might find is that this feelings that you're experiencing when you're hitting these shots now, is very, very different to when you're trying to accelerate and build on the numbers, okay? So a lot of people, when they've done the full swing and they want to try and take a bit off of it, they decelerate down into the golf ball, um, less kind of rotation through impact, gets a bit flappy, and all of a sudden they lose control over quite a few things. So the psychology of coming um, backwards is, is quite tricky. So I would like to see how you could get on maybe with something like that and see what your results are like from building to the number and accelerating to the number. So that's a really basic drill and you might be doing something like that already. So number three is the absolute knowledge bomb. <laughs> so here will be something that I would really like you to do. And again, something that I've done with my students has helped them, okay? Particularly when you've got an awkward distance. So many, many golfers will tell you they hate like a 70 yard shot. Just on a technical aspect, some people are very armsy, okay? So you might start the golf swing with your arms and then rotate versus trying to rotate your body earlier. And if you're that kind of golfer that takes it away with the arms, you might find that half shots are very, very difficult. So it might be um, advantageous for you to feel like your backswing is done more with the rotation of your body versus an armsy action. You know, if the sort of golfer that swings the arms away and then rotates really late, you're gonna find half shots really, really difficult. So make sure that you're just controlling these shots using your torso, etc. In terms of this actual drill now, to try and hit that awkward distance, here's what you're gonna do, okay? So let's say you can, again, you can hit your pitching wedge roughly 100 yards. The plan with this shot is can you hit a short shot, then can you hit a long shot, and then can you hit a shot in between? So grab your pitching wedge or a sand wedge, try and hit it sort of 50 or 60 yards, then with the intent of hitting one maybe what feels like 20 yards more. Let's say you hit it 50, then you hit it 70, then try and hit one in between. Now, having tested this with quite a few good players, 
they will find it quite hard. It's not an easy task, particularly if they're two shots that they hit to start off with are very, very close together. So what you might try and do is space it out by 20 yards. And as you progress, you might space it out by 10 yards. So you might try and hit it 50, 60, 55. That would be a pretty, really good, um, pretty good result. Um, so when you start to do that, you might find that you do that in the first attempt, but can you do it again? Um, so then you do it again. So you go 50, 70, 60. And what you're doing is you're just building up a much more of a feel. It's not so much like whacking ball after ball after ball. You're developing some feel and you've got some binary results of whether you've actually performed the task or if you haven't. Okay. So this is a really, really valuable tool for you to do. And the good news is you can do that with an assortment of different wedges and you can do it with an assortment of different distances. So you might decide that you're gonna do that with chip shots and you might only wanna hit one 20, then 40, then 30, then 20, then 40, then 30. And we keep repeating that process until you can repeatedly do it. Once you've done that, this is gonna inspire you with a bit of confidence on the golf course that you can actually control distance. And also you might highlight certain distances that you're struggling with specifically, okay? So then you might start to either do one of two things practice that distance till it's no longer like an achilles heel in your technique or avoid leaving yourself that distance and play to distances that are more your strengths okay so rather than banging your head against a brick wall trying to get better at it you might try and avoid leaving yourself those sorts of distances okay just talking about technology and the shot tracer range top tracer range shot tracer shot tracer is the thing that follows your ball when you make a video and you stick it on instagram i'm not talking about shot tracer i mean top trace top tracer range top tracer range is ace um, you also see some trap man ranges which give you an awful lot of data and in some cases so much data that it confuses the hell out of you okay so one thing that people look at mostly is the ball speed and the distance they've hit that's fine but at the same stage you shouldn't try and get obsessed with that but one thing that you might be looking at somewhere on some of these stats is your launch angle and your launch angle is hugely influential in your distance but 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 there's an awful lot of people that look at launch angle and think ah if you're the sort of person that's going to look at stats you might know what the actual optimum launch angle for your clubs is okay so let's say a seven iron optimum launch angle is 16 or 17 degrees you might be looking at some of your stats at the uh range and thinking oh god i'm launching it at 21 or 22 degrees firstly ask yourself are you finding the target and are the shots good for many people, they might get an open face angle on the way down and that's put them in a compromised position which perhaps encourages them to sort of stall the body, flip the hands a little bit to be able to square the face up which launches the ball high so they can still hit functional shots and if they were to try and squash the ball and de-loft it, they would probably hit the ball considerably worse than they did before. So. The point of that little bit there is that the stats are useful, but the stats are only as good as the person interpreting them. And it might be that if you're looking at some of the statistics and you're, you cannot make them any better, um, so, so like the spin rate or the launch angle, those sorts of things might require a golf pro to give you some assistance in, in why they are what they are and what you can do to improve them. One more little exciting drill for you to practice at the range so it's no longer just bashing balls and it's more of a game a bit like how we actually play golf so number four I'll give you an example i can hit the ball 100 yards in three different ways which i can rely on most of the time okay based on how much and frequency of my play so i have a 56 degree sand wedge and if i hit it full it goes 100 yards if i try and smash it yes it can go more than 100 yards but a comfortable full shot with a sand wedge for me 56 degrees is 100 yards i also have a 52 degree wedge and my feel is Three quarters, 75%. If I feel three quarters, that also goes 100 yards. Now what happens is it perhaps launches a little bit higher off the face than the pitching wedge. Um, and the descent angle is slightly different because of that. And 
it feels really in control because it's just sure to swing. And I have a third method, which is I have a pitching wedge, which is 48 degrees, which for this, these day and age is quite a lofted pitching wedge. I feel like, and regardless of whether it is or not, I feel like it's a half swing. I feel like it's a half swing and that also carries 100 yards. Now, you might say, well, why do you need to hit the ball 100 yards with three different methods? Well, when the pin's tucked in certain positions, you might want to use descent angle, you might want to use spin, or you might want the ball to roll up to it. If there was danger long, you might not want to be carrying that ball too long. So if the pin was cut at the back and it was hitting into an upslope, I might be thinking, okay, well, if I do my half shot with a pitching wedge, I can land it at sort of 90 and let it roll up and leave myself an uphill putt. Whereas the sand wedge that goes 100 yards, if I'm on that sort of hitting sort of towards a flag that's 100 yards, but if I hit it 105, it's just absolute chaos with the next shot. It's a shot I want to avoid. So I might be thinking about different methods of playing one certain distance, okay? So I know a few people will say, well, I'm a little bit off that. I'm just happy to hit the green. That's absolutely fine. But what I would suggest you do is perhaps have a go at trying to learn ways and develop some skill in which you can hit 100 yards in three different methods or two different methods at least, just so that you can get a much, much better skill level. So you're just controlling that with swing length and then therefore affecting the speed and therefore affecting the overall distance, okay? So, one more little thing for when you're at the driving range with a top tracer facility or trackman facility. Like I said before, people are obsessed with the ball speed. Cool, it's exciting. Hitting the ball a long way is exciting, okay? But you might not get better if you just smash ball after ball after ball at complete capacity and try and come out of your boots on every single shot. But, like I said, that is quite fun. And even golf pros like myself occasionally do want to have a smash at it. What I want to suggest you do is if you like to do that, is go to the range but limit yourself and give yourself a number of how many balls am I going to hit as hard as I can. I think there's a value in hitting the ball hard and to learn what capacity feels like and whether you feel out of control and actually does it go better because you have the top tracer ability there. You can see if you actually hit it further when you try and hit it really, really hard, okay? You might hit it further two times out of 10. You might hit it much further when you do your 90% swing. So now you can test this. So what you could do is fuel your ego a little bit have a go at whacking it as hard as you can. See, right, I'm going 100% at this, and I don't care about my balance, I don't care about my technique, I'm just gonna go hard at it. And see what happens, and see what, firstly, what your average distance is like, because that could be interesting to see what your average distance is like, and see what the best ones were like, and is it significantly better than when you go at it at 90%. The main reason that you might do that though, it is you do need to, if you have that little bit of an ego about you that wants to bash it down the driving range, don't just restrict yourself from doing it, okay? It's like trying to cut chocolate out straight away when you love it. Just have a little bit, it's fine. <laughs> just have a little bit, it's no probs. Go to the driving range, commit to either five or 10 balls or how many balls you think you wanna to commit to, which isn't an obscene amount of golf balls. Whack them as hard as you can, but try and extract some data from that. Was it worthwhile? Is it better for me to do that? And uh, should I be trying to employ that kind of method when I'm on the golf course trying to find targets? That's the end of episode three. There's a couple of, there's three, there's four, there's little exercises that you can get on with next time you go to a top tracer range. And hopefully some of those things that you can do, having played more games at the driving range versus just hitting balls with no plan, like rolling a dice for no reason, hopefully you can translate that into better performance on the golf course and enjoy your range sessions way much more. Cool. See you soon for episode four.